Warning, spoilers ahead. No one wants to hurt you or your daddy. You liar, you're supposed to kill him and I know it. I'd advise you to do what my daughter says. You met a trespass. I want you to get the hell off my property. We're government agents, sir. Show me a warrant to get the hell off my land. We don't need a warrant. You do unless I woke up in Russia this morning. If you'll just get in the car, we can discuss all this. Honest to gosh. There's nothing going on here except... We know what's going on. Please don't make me do anything! Get out! Don't you understand what she's doing? Can't you feel it? Don't be stupid. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey. Whoa. I'm a Kendall Richardson. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. Welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Welcome to this year's Halloween special. Yes. Here we are Here again. Here we are. Yes. Oh. Kendall, we can't stay away from those scary stories. No, we love them and live for them. Absolutely, but yes. what a great time of year to be watching a scary movie. Yes, yes. It's always the the, the season for it, you know. I mean, I watch horror outside of yes. uh, of Halloween, but it's, you know, it's yeah. a must at this yes. time. We don't need an excuse, but hey, while well, no. we've got one, why not take yes. advantage of it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when we get the opportunity to uh, talk about some more obscure horror films that I may necessarily not have seen, mm. like the film we're reviewing today. What is it, Wayne? Well, today's film is Mark L. Lester's 1984 adaptation of Stephen King's Firestarter. Please explain. Andy and Vicky McGee, David Keith and Heather Locklear, possess telepathic abilities, having participated in secret medical experiments while they were still in college. As a result, their eight-year-old daughter Charlie, Drew Barrymore, has pyrokinetic capabilities, making her the target of the government agency known as The Shop, who sponsored the initial experiment. Produced by cult cinema master Dino De Laurentiis, and directed by B-grade movie legend Mark L. Lester, who was brought on to replace John Carpenter after the underperformance of his tour de force The Thing, Firestarter launched the North Carolina city of Wilmington as a film and television production hub. However, author Stephen King called it one of the worst of the bunch of the adaptations of his work, and critics gave the movie lukewarm reviews. But Kendall, did you burn for Firestarter? Oh, wow, we got some trivia in the intro. Uh I'd like to sneak it in where I can. I love it. (laughs) I did not know... I'm sorry, underperformance of the thing? <laughs> yes. Was it a bomb when it came out? It underperformed, yeah. You're kidding. Absolutely. <sighs> I love that out of everything, you've decided to first talk about another movie. I know! <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But that, I just, that, that movie has such reverence behind it. it yeah. So it's so interesting that at the time it just didn't... Yeah, well, it's one of those films that's always been a masterpiece, but only appreciated... After, After the, the fact, fact, yeah. It was ahead of its time, I suppose. It was, and it's still a terrifying movie. It is. Which we'll have to discuss oh, on another Halloween, I, I think. I think so. Yes. yes, let's, well, yeah. let's, let's get into Firestarter. Well, yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, no, this is a movie I have been aware of for a long time, but um, I never had the opportunity to watch it. I haven't read the book either, so mm. I can't speak to... Stephen King's words about it being uh, one of the worst of the bunch in terms of his <laughs> adaptations, but... 
a lot of his his stuff is just I feel like it's just hard to translate uh, from yeah. from uh, page to screen because that happens a lot. Yeah, like, a lot. A lot of his movies don't necessarily, I don't know, adapt well. I feel. Yeah. And I will actually say that Stephen King has written some stories for the screen, where he's actually screen, mm-hmm. you know, being the screenwriter of original stories, mm. and. I think that experience should be humbling for Stephen King. Yes, he made these comments like a decade before he started writing for for TV. Okay, yeah. But when you watch TV um, movies or TV series that he's actually written fresh, mm-hmm. you can see that it is difficult because those stories are not that great oh, wow. compared to movies that have been adapted from his novels. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I will say that, you know, and I've read Stephen King novels. I haven't read a lot of them, but mm-hmm. the ones I've read, mm-hmm. and now it sounds silly because he's a best-selling author, but the man can write. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. he, he is obviously good at what he does. Very much. But writing for television is a totally different thing, mm-hmm. and I don't think Stephen King has done that well okay. most of the time. There you go. Yeah, so... Yeah, I agree with you, um, Kendall. His stories aren't always the easiest to translate. No. Funnily enough, the ones that are sort of revered are the ones that deter <laughs> from his source material the most. Yes. Hashtag The Shining. Hashtag The Shining. Yes. <laughs> yep. Of course. But yeah, not, not always the, the easiest. And it was interesting, you know, that we were almost had John Carpenter to direct this movie. Yeah. Because he directed a Stephen King book into a film called Christine about oh, a yes, killer did. car. Yes. Not necessarily the greatest Stephen King movie, despite you've got Stephen King, mm-hmm. John Carpenter. Yeah. You'd think the combination was made in heaven, but I don't know. Yeah. So it, they are tough to adapt, but without having read the source material, how yeah. did you feel about this adaptation? My goodness. Well, I don't know. It was, it was, it was interesting. I mean, the movie's very much of its time. Mm. It, I don't know. There was, I feel like there were parts of it that I, I mean, I, I think I enjoyed it overall, I just felt like I was really curious as like I wanted I wanted more of the backstory. Okay. I wanted more like you know you see these flashbacks happening when Andy's like trying to sleep or he's unconscious mm. or whatever and he's thinking about what happened to him and and to Vicky. And I really found some of those flashbacks just really interesting and fascinating mm. and stuff and I I suppose they they do the job well enough of telling the audience what's going on mm. and why why they're on the run, why they have these abilities. But I would have loved to have seen seen more of that kind of fleshed out. Right. I think. I think that would have been good. But I, it is kind of nice when movies kind of do that thing where they, they start you in the middle of the action. Yeah. Sometimes, like you're in, like the movie opens and they're, you know... On the run. On the run, immediately. And you're like, oh God, what's going on? What's happening? So you're immediately drawn in and interested. Yeah. And I felt like David Keith was a very good choice for Andy just because I, I think he's got a very nice screen presence. Yeah. He's an attractive man. He's clearly a good father, mm. loves his daughter, and you can really see that in the way that he plays Andy. And, and so I really enjoyed watching him as well. What were your kind of initial thoughts yeah, on well, this one? Yeah, well, I've seen Firestarter a few times. Okay. The first time that I saw it was when I was a child, because 80s, yes. <laughs> you know. And I remember liking it. When you're a kid, you're not that critical. I do remember the, the, the only memory I had, though, going from childhood to adulthood 
about this film was Vicky's death because it traumatized me. Yeah, fair enough. It actually, it was out of everything that happens in this movie, the scene of the cupboard door opening and the ironing board falling down with Vicky having like blood coming out of her traumatized me as a kid wow. it was very i found that very scary yeah and that that was my lingering memory of Firestarter. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah i've seen it a few times since then i do have to say that watching it this time i got more out of it i found myself more invested in the characters mm. here particularly andy and charlie and i think because with this film I don't think the pacing is always consistent. No, it's not. And also the tone sometimes is, it shifts a bit sometimes too. Mm. It is very melodramatic at parts and you've got some beautiful overacting. Oh yes. (laughs) From everyone. Really? Yes. Um, You know, I know one critic had written that, you know, George C. Scott chews the scenery. Like he loves it. Martin Sheen gets his moments too. Like when he celebrates our putting putting those. Do we get that? Do we get that? Oh my God. I get it. You're excited. Yes. She burns things. Very <laughs> <laughs> <No> excitable, man. <laughs> Admittedly, that was kind of his only moment of over the top, I guess. True. But, you know. <laughs> but it was there. But, oh, it was there and it was glorious. And they got it on, they got, they got it on camera. They got it on camera. Yeah, for Audio, for too. Audio, too. <laughs> <laughs> it really was a beautiful moment, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, but you've got, you know, moments like that, <laughs> that's quite heightened. Uh, you've got some really dark undertones as well. Like mm. obviously it's, you know, a government agency pursuing this father and his daughter, his wife has been murdered. Like, yeah. so, you know, obviously it's dark, mm-hmm. but even just, you know, going back to George C. Scott and his performance there, very predatory, Yeah. very predatory. And it's again the message kind of a bit muddled because at first you don't really know what he wants with Charlie, and mm. then he implies one thing, mm. and then it ends up to just have the the pleasure of killing her. And yeah. we've seen how he's done that to one of those other other characters as well in a in a great shot. By the way, I thought that was so well done that yeah. sort of death scene. Mm-hmm. But still, you feel like that there is this enjoyment out of it that's not healthy, (laughs) you know? So yeah, like the very creepy, creepy character. And he does portray that really well, Mm -hmm. getting this um, intense satisfaction just at the thought of killing this child. Yeah. Yeah. So the tones are, are that little bit different, but I don't know. I guess it's also reflecting on the situations the characters find themselves in. Some moments it's nice and calm because they do get a breather. I like those moments where it's just Andy and Charlie Mm. and it's just them two together. And it just feels like you can see them being normal. Mm. Um, Especially we're in that older couple's farmhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I love those moments. That Mm. was really, really sweet. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, like in terms of inconsistencies, I think even the performances can be a bit inconsistent. Some people are quite strong, Mm. you know, Like, overall, it's good, right? I mean, the cast is performing and leaning into the energy and the spirit of the movie that the director is is fueling, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And Michael Lester is 
such a good director. I have to say, like, of B-grade movies. Mm. I've seen a few of his movies, and I absolutely love them. Can you name drop some? Yeah, so he's done um, 1984, which is kind of like a futuristic-ish movie. Um, Uh It was one of Michael J. Fox's early roles. Yeah, Um, He made its kind of unofficial sequel called Class of 1999, which is by far one of my all-time favourite exploitation movies um the amazing pam greer is in that um as a cyborg killer teacher (laughs) wow Um, you know so he's directed that he's done that really well he's also directed one of my favorite arnold schwarzenegger movies called commando oh and yeah and it was this the work he had done in this film that you know had like oh let's get you to direct commando and commando is like just this testosterone fueled epitome of 80s action movie yeah and it is just glorious in every sense of the world nice. yeah so i i really like uh, michael lester yeah okay. and i think he enjoyed making this movie as well i know that he has said that at least up to that point and probably of all time it was the toughest movie he had made so when we consider all those pyrotechnics Mm-hmm. no computers it was all practical yeah. uh you know we can you tell that there's some you know like um green screen and things being done for some of the effects mm. but you know like i think there's like fireballs and stuff that's practical that's all on wires and stuff like that being flung around everywhere yeah, yeah. it looks so cool yeah. <laughs> you know so i think yeah again like he directs i think action really well and i think with the right cast and the right material he directs dialogue really well so this probably in terms of performances isn't the best example of his ability to direct actors no i don't think in terms of dialogue and high tense moments and things like that Mm. but again for the genre that we're in for the type of movie that it wants to be i think he puts it together quite well but yeah like were there any moments that maybe you just thought didn't quite work for you oh well I mean, I I want to know why Vicky got killed in the first place. Mm. Like, I get the government was after them yeah. because of the powers that they have and they yeah. want to capitalize on that. But I, I don't understand why. Yeah, unless, like, obviously there was probably a, a moment of, you know, oh, she's tried to stop stop them and they've she's kind of gotten caught in the crossfire in a sense that's yeah. kind of actually how it's implied but yeah quite possibly that because charlie wasn't at home yeah when yeah. she was getting abducted yeah that um vicky would have refused to tell them yeah um also out of the three we could argue that vicky is the least valuable yeah because whilst she does have you know some mind reading powers for example mm. it's andy who can control people through his mind yeah it's charlie who can not only set things on fire with her mind but also see the near future you know yeah. she can sense people and have these visions so mm-hmm. you know i guess out of the three she's the most disposable Just, yeah you know and mm-hmm. like you've said it's charlie they really want yeah so she would have definitely been that barrier yeah you know that she would not have yeah given any information over yeah, um, yeah. and perhaps maybe if her mind power Powers are stronger than what the film demonstrates mm. they would have like quashed that straight away you know to protect themselves from being manipulated um you know like how andy manipulates them for example yeah yeah but yeah but i think some more of that interaction with the three of them would have been great yes as well i would have loved um, to have seen some more of this family dynamic maybe established you know especially yeah. because in the early stages of the movie charlie's talking about how she feels responsible for her mother's death or she killed her yeah that's right um and we 
and then the fact that we don't really see how that plays out yeah is kind of a bit jarring but yeah i mean it works well enough i mean i can infer that charlie blames herself because mum died because they wanted me yeah type thing like you you know put the dots together together as well yeah i mean and it's you could go about it two ways because I feel like maybe some sort of flashback interaction between Vicky and the, you know, and the um, people from the agency from the shop that would have, you know, been really cool to play out. But in saying that, you know, if she's dead, no one's there to remember it as a flashback. Yeah. Um, and it also does take away from that very effective reveal. Mm-hmm. Again, like it affected me as a kid. I still think it's quite a a, a, a good scary moment it is, um, yeah. of her reveal. How did you feel finding her, you know, fall out of the... Yeah, I was, it was closet? very abrupt. Yeah, yeah. It was very abrupt. I wasn't ex- expecting to be revealed like that, you know. Yeah, mm. why she just folded in there? Yeah, um, I don't know. This is—it's very scary. <laughs> I think it's just a tiny moment that is just so well done. Very effective. And I think David Keith's reaction is really good too. Yeah. Um, I actually find him my favorite of the performers, to be honest, in this film. Like, I think, like Drew Barrymore is good. She's been better though. Definitely. You know, like yeah. uh, you know, considering that she's come from ET two mm. years prior to this. Yeah. Um, so I think again, it's always reflective on the tone and the way a director mm. directs you. Because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes her crying gets to me. <laughs> oh, me! It got to me a bit too. I'm just kind of like, okay, of it, yeah. I, I, but it makes her empathetic. Um, yes. That you know, she's this sort of killing machine against her will. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> But, <laughs> but calm down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know. But again, she's such a charming screen presence. She so no surprise that she's had the career that she has and still continues to have, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think why anyone who grew up watching Drew, especially in ET, just holds her very close. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's just some some performers that you almost feel quite protective of. Very much. And I feel like those of us who grew up watching Drew Barrymore as Gertie yeah. <laughs> in, in ET and, and subsequent film roles, really good film roles as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, she definitely falls into that category for sure um but yeah but i thought you know overall um there's a lot of elements that work more than don't Mm. if that makes sense yes um one of the things that i particularly liked is the music yeah in this Mm. what did you think about it the music yeah well yeah very 80s glorious was it yeah (laughs) (laughs) very very good like very uh i you know i feel like it was it was a good choice for the movie to have something a bit you know, not you know, because it's a, it's a Stephen King adaptation. It's mm. a it's of the horror genre, mm. so you can you can go down the you know the heavy strings yeah. route, you know, but you can do this, do something different, and bring these synthesizers and these you know electronic sounds and drums and everything to it, and just give it a different kind of an atmosphere and a different kind of you know elevate the drama in a different way yeah so i I like that it's unique in that sense yeah and it works really well in the final act i think with the the, well the whole compound going really like this plantation that is burning i think it works really well i think yeah when the music is actually used it's used to effect Mm. you know sometimes some films overuse music you know and sometimes you can say a music heavy film works right but sometimes it's like really overdone Mm. whereas here i think it picks it's, it's music cues and when to put them in Definitely. really effectively. And again, for me, I think it all comes together really well in that final act. Like there's no doubt that that final act is just magnificent. Yeah. It is so well done. It is very good. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I, I'm really impressed by it, to be perfectly honest. I think it yeah. is so good. Mm-hmm. 
overall, you know, it's a story that all, that threads the film together. So there was a few versions of the screenplay um, going through because, you know, John Carpenter was attached originally mm-hmm. and, you know, he had hired someone to write it. He had casting decisions and all these different things. You know, he's was asked to step away from the project <laughs> and Mike L. Lester came in um, and he had uh, Stanley Mann adapt the novel. Mm. So it's interesting and Lester has... I think he's like sort of come to peace with it now, but he was actually quite annoyed at Stephen King's feedback on the movie because yeah. it did come after he'd seen a rough cut of the film mm-hmm. because out of all the screenplays that were written from the source material, the one that we have is apparently the most accurate to the novel. Oh. Yeah. And some elements in the film were actual Stephen King suggestions. So yeah. the director's a bit confused as to that feedback because, again, he put a lot of effort into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for most of it, it works. So I as well have not read the novel. I've read portions of it, like just the beginning of it and things like that. Uh, so, you know, Andy's mind manipulation, you know, he calls pushing. Mm. Um, that term is used in the film at least once or twice. Yes. You know, you, know you, you pushed and things like that. Mm. So, yeah, there are elements there. What I had read, the backstory with Andy and Vicky wasn't actually that much longer or detailed than what was depicted. Okay. You know, maybe going through the novel a bit more. Yeah. It goes back into it. But I think what's used here sets us up so we know why these people have these powers, why these other people are pursuing them, why they're on the run. I think it ties it in nicely. Mm. That flashback scene, though, where... We've got Andy and Vicky meeting and then they're, you know, um, falling for lot six. <laughs> you know, they're, yeah. they're sort of succumbing to what that's what's producing. Mm. Um, and then you've got people in that room having effects to it that are quite aggressive yeah. and, and, and quite confronting those convulsions. And, and that young man with the beard, like bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Pretty good. Like yeah. it was so well done. And mm-hmm. I think because, like you said, it's a movie of its time. So there's almost a, a, a rawness to this movie and it just makes it a little bit scarier. Yeah. Um, sometimes a lower budget isn't a bad thing. No, very, that's very true. <laughs> it really does work. Yeah. Works really well. Mm-hmm. But with the, with the good guys that we've got, we've also got the bad guys. But what did you think of some of the baddies here? Well, yeah, George C. Scott, I mean... Hello. Um, <laughs> a, a legend. Yeah. His performance was very, very good. I, I, I really enjoyed watching him. He holds your attention very well. Uh, his delivery on the, all the dialogue was great. And I loved how he portrayed the two sides of him of like, you know, him being this almost mercenary type guy. Yeah. You know, and then being John, the friendly orderly. <laughs> yes. You know, very manipulative. Mm. But it, because it was funny because at first when he was talking about, he's like, oh, me and Charlie are going to be really good friends, really good friends. And I was like, nah, she's going to see straight through you. Yeah. And then, nope. Yeah. He was very convincing. Yeah. So I I really liked his performance. But yeah, I, what you were saying earlier about him kind of, the predatoryness. Yeah. You can see, was, you can see the, the, the elements of grooming. That how adults groom children, for example. Like you can see, it's really uncomfortable to watch, which adds this other layer of creepiness and scariness as well. Definitely. You know, this cute little girl who you just want to protect because at the end of the day, she just wants to be with her dad. Yeah. They don't want to hurt anyone. Like that's that's the tragedy of this whole story is the fact that, you know, it's just a, a decision 
that Andy made when he was younger and mm-hmm. he, he needed the money, like yeah. he, he says in the movie. <laughs> yep. Same with Vicky. And then, you know, the two of them get together and they, they have this beautiful girl and yeah. then, you know, their lives are forever changed because of this one experiment and they can't, they just can't be happy and that's all they want. They just yeah. want to be left alone. Exactly. And the government, the, you know, the shop, the people from the shop keep trying to yeah. find them and they keep... It's so funny that they, even though every t- every attempt almost of them trying to capture Charlie and Andy yeah. ends with death. Yes. But they never give up. No. They're the- so arrogant. Yeah. And also right? because she is that valuable to them. Yeah. Like there is that moment, uh, which I actually really like when you've got... Freddie Jones, who plays the doctor, who is quite the most sympathetic out of everyone. And he's, you know, not overestimating the ability Mm. of Charlie because, you know, she's prepubescent and saying when she becomes a teenager, she's essentially a nuclear bomb. Yeah. And, you know, when she's an adult, he has that gorgeous dialogue of splitting the world in two, like like breaking a china plate. Yeah. I just thought that was like, I love the picture that painted. Yeah. And I love that at least you've got somebody here with a conscience yeah. <laughs> yeah. shop, who, you know, who sees these people as humans, yeah. um, who are the way they are because of them, yeah. you, you know, that they're not just this sort of tool to manipulate with. But I guess that sort of moustache twirling villainy that, that we've got, again, like Martin Sheen in that <laughs> beautiful moment, yeah. uh, really shows that the big picture is, is all he's looking at. It does not matter what else happens. They're very open in discussing that Charlie will be disposed of, to use the the words from John. And also, we know that Andy doesn't have a lot longer to live. I mean, you know, towards the end of the film, there's this promise of moving to Hawaii for Mm. him to to rest and have his own private space. And, you know, at this stage, Andy's off the pills that they're giving him to Mm. keep him sedated, which is then also impacting his powers. And he's playing along. But, you know, everyone knows that... Hawaii in, you know, inverted commas means, okay, this is how we're going to kill him. Yeah. So I like that there's always this threat and that the shop is always seen as this evil presence. Yeah. Yeah. Almost this really sterile, you know, it's everything is just so clinical. I like the space that where Charlie's doing, um, you know, showing off her powers and things like that. Mm, because, mm. yes, it's obviously like concreted and stuff because you know, she's a ball of fire. <laughs> so there's a safety thing to it. Yes. But the fact, you know, that she's in this room and it's all just like concrete. You've got everyone else in their suits and, you mm. know, they're formal looking behind all of these computers and gadgets and whatnot. Uh, you know, makes it look very much like a science lab almost. Yeah. It's just much. missing the, the shiny white tiles. Yeah. <laughs> right but i I don't know i just think there's such a wonderful contrast to the warmth no pun intended (laughs) that charlie and andy give because their relationship is so is so beautiful because all he wants to do is protect her Mm. and in the end all she wants to do is protect him Mm. and then has that mark of a vengeance as well Mm. um for him but yeah but overall whilst i think there are you know we've said uh, there's some inconsistencies in the performances. I feel like everyone serves their purpose well yeah. for what this movie wants to achieve. Yes. I think. I yeah, mean, I feel like it. Fair. I feel like maybe this is one of the bigger budgets that the director has worked with up to this point, at least. But it still feels like a B grade movie. It does. You yeah. Know? And I definitely don't mean that in a negative because a lot of B grade movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah. Overall, though, like, you know, the heroes are the practical effects. So, Kendall, your favorite practical effect or kill? 
Oh gosh. I mean, you mentioned it already, but I I was very much kind of taken aback when uh, uh, are we calling him John? Are we or does he actually have a different name? He does have a different name here. They've called him John, though, and I've forgotten what his first name, what his name actually is. Right, well, or oh, Rainbow. Rainbow. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when he kills Doctor Wanless, yeah, and he just which felt so. I didn't, I didn't see that coming, and I don't know no. if I missed a trick on that, and I should have seen that coming. But just the fact that, like, you know, you see the doctor lying in bed, he's sleeping, and then this thing is coming out of into frame from off, yeah. off, 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 off camera. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? And then that sharp punch mm-hmm. to the skull, yeah. and then just you see that that flash of, you know, like the the effect of yeah. him, him dying essentially, and then just yeah, the aftermath. Like it's very, I like the the impact that no pun intended that that had yeah on the story and yeah. and on on like me watching it i was like whoa okay i was not expecting that and then when he later explains that that's what he's going to do to charlie Char- oh yeah you now have a visual because even though he explains what's going to happen when he you know physically hits her there yeah you know about the shards of broken bone into it like it's just yeah. yeah like he didn't even really need to explain that no but it just adds that extra layer it does so for any of us who are wondering hey why did that guy die well this is why this is why he's, yeah he's setting setting that up yeah. yeah like that was actually pretty cool and i find that interesting that it was one that didn't involve fire yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah for a film called firestarter yeah but it had a huge impact it did um, it really did what about you uh it was really hard to narrow it down but uh, look, I have to give an honourable mention to that army soldier who got his feet burnt yeah. <laughs> for being a joke to his yeah. to his pregnant. Well, I don't want to say girlfriend because he didn't even want to acknowledge yeah. that she was his girlfriend at one Poor stage. Man. Yeah, um, I thought that that was a great gag played out as mm-hmm. well. The fact that it also ended him in the toilet where he belongs. Yeah, <laughs> your, your future child is better off without you. Yes, <laughs> but just like that punchline, you know, about him wanting to put out his feet. Yeah, <laughs> just thought that was amusing. Yeah, um, but no, I thought that, that was really good. Again, one of the things that the film does. As well is the way that as the film goes on the fires get bigger and bigger yeah. and the impacts and the results of them get bigger and bigger so i thought that was really That's good very good because yeah. i feel like that that hooks you you just mm. go oh hang on she just set someone's feet on fire I'm like yeah. okay I, i'm i'm involved now i want to get to know this little girl and, yeah. and 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 you know her dad and you know okay now i get why they're on the run type thing yeah so i kind mm-hmm. of like that mm-hmm. um that's an honorable mention another huge honorable mention is when all the agents come to the farmhouse with the older couple played beautifully by art carney and louise fletcher yes and yeah you just see charlie coming to her dad's rescue by setting those three agents on fire yeah. and then everyone else <laughs> yeah. uh, one that literally gets burnt to a skeleton within yeah. seconds yeah cars are exploding just that whole sequence is great mm. but i do have to say that look that that final yeah final final confrontation it's very very good is epic exceptional use of miniatures too i think Mm. excellent and Mm. stunt people and i'm sure there were some mannequins in there but it all worked it It all all looked great yeah and if i have to narrow a single point that i loved and Uh has to be my favorite kill is we've seen this i I don't know his name but there's this agent who's got a bit of like i think it's like light brownish blonde hair Mm. bit curly and 
He's shooting at Charlie, and I love how the bullets just explode before they get to her. It's good that we had that moment earlier on where a bullet explodes in front of her. Yeah. So we know that when we get to that point, she's not bulletproof, no. but she's radiating this heat yeah. that's making them blow up. So they don't even need to literally make an impact. Being in her aura yeah. makes them explode. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's Because cool. if you sort of missed that note before, that then looks comical. But no, it really yeah. emphasizes how angry she is and how focused she is yes. to let this part of the world burn. Yeah, yeah. So there is this agent who is firing at her. Bullets are just exploding before they get to her. Mm-hmm. And she creates a fireball. And not only does she create a fireball, it hits him on impact and, and it pushes him into a tree. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. I just, and then the tree's on fire, and I just love that. That was my favorite kill. I just thought, it's talking about a one two punch. Yeah. Um, so for me, that was amazing. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I will say overall, the, 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 the use of pyrotechnics and fire in this is gosh. exceptional. My gosh, like yes. For, for, a, for a film in the 80s, like, it's insane to me that, like, you know, I mean, films today rely so much on mm. computer effects. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, it's cheaper and safer. Yeah. But the extremes they went to to actually have this convincing... Yeah. You know, and it looks good. Like, yeah. you're, you're totally... You totally buy into the fact that, you know, she can do this with her mind. A hundred percent. And it all looks real. Yeah. It looks... It, yeah. It just looks fantastic. And, yeah, yeah I'm, I, was, I was very impressed. Yep. And the thing is, in 10, 20 years, watch Firestarter again. And watch a movie made today, which are using CGI, and see which one has aged better. Mm. Guarantee you, it's that movie from the 80s. For sure. Only in a decade's time. Yeah. You know, I'm always on this podcast, and anyone else who will put up with me saying, practical effects, always. Always, always. Always, always. Especially, look, I will say too, especially with fire, Mm. because sometimes fake fire is so obvious. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you can you can tell, you yes. know straight away that it's like... Because, like, certain things you can, you know, like buildings and planes yes. and spaceships and stuff, you can make them look yes. genuine with, with, with CGI. But yep. f- something like fire, yes. just the way... It's sort of like how recreating humans in CGI. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's it's this uncanny valley thing. Yeah. Where you just... You know how it really moves. Yeah, it's, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and so... And it just looks amazing and yeah. i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm like a pyromaniac deep down because i love i don't know i just love the element of fire on screen i just think because yeah again like i'm a scaredy cat so everything terrifies me so just seeing it done really well because there is that genuine fear yeah i'm always impressed with as you know kind of like the towering inferno is one of my all-time favorite movies mm. and that's all practical yeah. effects and that to this day, you know, I watched it only about a month ago. I revisited it. Oh, great. I revisit it frequently. I love it. Yeah. It just captivates me and grabs me every single time. And mm. I just marvel at how well done it is. I have to say, though, I feel that the pyrotechnics in this film would have been a much bigger challenge. You know, because here again, you're talking like about fireballs and yeah. you know, like all of these other different ways that fire is done. Yeah. It's not just something static that is on fire. No. Like a lot of people burn in this as well. Yeah. You know, and again the stuntmen are so oh, good in this film. Hats off to like them. Like really, really good. Yeah. And I think the way that those sequences are edited are exceptional. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that in that final confrontation you've got an agent who's like at his car and then it explodes just as he's at the door. Now that's clearly a mannequin is standing by the is standing by the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Three, two, one, blow it up. 
like you go, that's fine, right? Yeah, and yeah. yes, it has its own dangers because you've got a lot of people on set, mm-hmm. but it's probably one of the safest explosions you can do with something that resembles the human form. Yeah. But yeah. it is edited so well. Very well. You believe it all. Yes. Like, yeah, like I feel like that, especially in that final act, and I will say it as well on the farmhouse in that first sort of, of the, yeah. of the two big ones, that, yeah. that's the first one. But that final act, not a single frame I think is wasted or out of sync. Yeah, no. I just think it's so well done. It is. Um, and I think it's probably the thing that you take away the most out of Firestarter is how good the effects are. For sure. Overall, the story is good, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the setup yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, I think the threat is always there. I don't necessarily think it's as successful as it could have been mm. at telling the story it wanted to tell. Mm. But I feel like that what it did do, it did well. Just, you know, well enough, yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it, it, it succeeds at just enough. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, and especially if you're not going to take it as this, like, you know, multi-million dollar, <laughs> you know, blockbuster. But I don't know, I see it, and I hope I'm not offending anyone associated with the movie, as just this fun, B-grade, scary story. Yeah. That, that is still quite effective, I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, you know, look, you've said it was... a obscure film Mm. um people are aware of it and i think mostly because a it's based on a stephen king text also because drew barrymore is in it yes it has a lot of oscar winners in the film as well um so really really good actors in this Mm -hmm. but the book that it's also based on i think originally had a limited print run so even like copies of that book is is hard to find like i'm sure it's in a lot of mass reproduction yeah but you know like even going to my local library to try to find this book you can't find it wow yeah weird for a stephen king book right because you think you throw stephen king's name on it it will sell regardless yeah but anyway it was followed up by a sequel so it's followed up by a mini series in 2002 called firestarter rekindled oh yes i've not seen this um i'm curious yeah yeah i'm not saying i'm I'm not really looking that hard into watching it, mind you. Yeah, not curious enough to... uh, To really source it. Yeah. Uh, But look, if it came my way, I would absolutely watch it. Okay. Um, And it follows Charlie as um, a teenager or a young adult, I think. So, yeah. So... Interesting. Yeah. So, it had enough of a following. And I guess because the film would have had a bit of a cult following up until then. Definitely. Because, you know, we're almost 20 years later, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, that was happening. But more recently, we've had this year's Bloomhouse production starring Zac Efron as yes. Andy. Yes. Um, we've not seen this film. No, we haven't yet. No. Yet being the operative word. Yes. Uh, I feel like we're going to reserve that for another Halloween special, maybe. I feel like it. Yeah. Yes. And it would be interesting to, it'll be interesting to compare the two. Yeah. Um, I do know that it was not received that favorably. No. Um, so, you know, like at the time, this film wasn't received, you know, it was kind of received mixed reviews, but mm-hmm. the remake, even less. So yeah. that'll be interesting to see how they take the story and the similarities because it's yeah. got a great cast and Very it's got a cast. great um, production house behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at previews and trailers, it, it looks, looks good. It looks good. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting when, when we get to that. Yes. yes. And especially uh, in regards to how they tackle the effects. Yes, as well. That's going to be a big talking point. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see how they look because no doubt there'll be CGI. No doubt. Yeah, no No doubt. No doubt. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see that one. Mm. I'm actually looking forward to seeing the remake. Same. I have to say. I love a good compare. Yes. A good comparison. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh And Firestarter itself has had, you know, an influence for quite a while, most notably with a TV series called Stranger Things. Yes. That we've got uh, the wonderful character of Eleven, mm-hmm. who 
has mind powers. Yes. And anytime she uses those, she has a nosebleed. Yes. Yeah. So we, we I love that nod to to Andy's um, powers and abilities. In yeah. This yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. For someone who hasn't watched Firestarter until now. And then, yes, when he's... When I notice his nose bleeding, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it is a great nod because, you know, uh, yeah, Stranger Things relies on the nostalgia factor mm-hmm. a lot and even made up nostalgia, I guess. <laughs> yeah, know? it, is, yeah. You it know? Feels, feels that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it because I, I had seen Firestarter before uh, Stranger Things. So when I'd, when I'd seen that, I'm like, yes, very cool. I, I do like that little nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I mean, look, overall, reviews were mixed. Our mate Roger Ebert gave it a two out of four. And during his review, one of his main critiques was that Charlie herself wasn't like coming across as a real character, but more just as a plot device. Uh, Sort of like a means to an end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. But I think the film does enough to make us care about her as a person. Yeah. That... Like, I mean, because the gimmick, if you will, is the fact that she can create fires through her mind. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that, you don't have a story. Yes. Um, and I think that they do spend enough time with her. Like, yes, I had said, you know, her crying kind of would get to me. And I, mm. the more you watch it, the more you can sort of put up with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like that that's an attempt, whether it's successful or not, is a different conversation, of really humanizing her. The fact that she has this power that she does not want, that she feels guilty for using it, you can read that into a lot of things about trauma and shame, mm. I think. I mm-hmm. think there's... The, the film doesn't go there, but I think it touches the surface of things like that because even Andy would have some sort of guilt because, you know, in that flashback when, you know, she's making toast... <laughs> uh, it's him harnessing her power and then scolding her for burning Vicky's gloves. You know, so it's a very confused message that she's been getting pretty much from day dot for sure. about these abilities. Yeah. And they have that conversation early on about what's a big bad and a little bad. So I like that, that they do put some effort into her feeling conflicted and confused about navigating this power. Yeah. So I can see where Ebert was coming from, but I think there is more depth than that. Mm. But like exploring that side of the character is not what this movie is about. No, I suppose not. Yeah. Mm. IMDb overall, 6 out of 10. 38% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And our fellow Google users have given it... 86% with a thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. For Kendall, as always, <laughs> only your opinion matters. Oh, stop it. <laughs> what are your final thoughts and a score out of five for Firestarter? Okay. Yeah, I think after now having discussed the film, I feel a bit better about it <laughs> than I did when I was watching it. I will definitely say the yeah, the pacing was inconsistent. Like, I couldn't exactly figure out where... You know, because, you know, you know, most, obviously most stories, you know, you have your third three-act structure mm. and you kind of, when you're watching a film, you can kind of tell what part you're sort of up to and like, okay. And then, because I felt like, for some reason, I felt like as soon as we got to the shop, yeah, at, after they've been captured, we were into the third act, but yeah. I think we were pretty much just into the act two at that point. Like, I think so too, yeah. 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 So that was interesting. Um, and then, yes, of course, the tone of the film is very over the place as well in certain parts but it, it, it's still an enjoyable experience i would have preferred if the acting had been 
get more consistent mm. and less melodramatic. Yep. Because as much as I did enjoy David Keith, sometimes I feel like he did go a bit overboard as well. Ooh. A little bit in certain parts. And he's not the worst offender. Mm. But for me, there was a couple of scenes where I felt like he might have overdone it. But he was probably my favourite of the cast. Drew Barrymore was was wonderful. You know, mm. we've, we've talked about her. Yeah. She's She's just, you know... She's our Gertie. Um, <laughs> always will be. Always will be. Yeah, so she's she's just a very talented actress, as she always has been. And um, but yeah, but yeah, I feel like with a, if she'd had a, a different director working with her, mm. I feel like for someone who's I don't know if this is her second film or very early in her career, obviously. Yeah, oh, obviously, ET was is the most notable, but um, she'd done a couple done others. A, a couple others, but still in the grand scheme of things it was very early on for her yeah 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 yeah. so i feel like she could have benefited from a better more actors director i suppose in this more taught direction probably yeah Yeah. i think so Mm. i think so but she was she was still fine like the whole cast overall was was like regardless of what level they were on Mm. they were all quite good characters and yeah and yeah and, and and very good to watch I didn't even know Martin Sheen was in this movie, so it was nice to see see him, especially because I'm used to West Wing Martin Sheen. Yes. You know, I haven't really seen... Like, I've seen Apocalypse Now, but mm. I haven't really seen a lot of... Like, I haven't seen Wall Street yeah. and, you know, a lot of his 80s stuff. Because every time I see him when he's that young, I'm like, God, he looks like Emilio so much. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> it's insane how, yeah. how I like they look. It's just... It blows my mind. It's true. But I, I, I enjoyed him. I would have preferred him to be more... Because it seems like he's the he's the man in charge, mm. but it more feels like Rain, Rainbird is the man who's yeah. kind of number one. Because they're all scared of him. Yeah, <laughs> as the exterminator, as the exterminator, as, he's, yes. as he's referred to. Yeah, yes, very much. Yeah, but no, and yeah, you can't deny we've talked about it. The effects are just wonderful, yeah. practical always. The fire is just is great, and the way that they you know build it up to mm. this epic conclusion. I was very sad that Andy died. I didn't yeah. realize that was part of the story. That was that was very very sad. Yeah. But I really like it made the finale all the more worth yes. watching because you're seeing Charlie like listen to her father, you know. Yeah. Not once but twice. She's like I'm going to, you know, cuz he's like kill just kill them. Yeah. <laughs> do what you got to do. End it now. End it. Yeah. And to put a stop to them, and she does that, yeah. and, and in a glorious, vengeful way. Yeah. And and she never she never crosses the line. She does, I think, exactly what she needed to do. Yes. It doesn't go into kind of just any kind of mania or insanity. No. I think, which is really nice. And then you know the movie ends with her returning to the farm, and yeah. I loved I love that nice touch of 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 that, and then. You know, and that couple getting the child they always yeah. wanted. I thought that was really lovely. Uh, and then, you know, we end with her going into the New York Times and mm. her story maybe finally being told. So, yeah. Yeah. So overall, it is a very well-rounded film and, you know, not perfect by mm. any means, but definitely an enjoyable watch. So I'm going to give Firestarter a three out of five. Yeah. I agree with you on uh, pretty much everything you've said. I think I'm more forgiving of David Keith yes. <laughs> than you are. I can be harsh with actors, though. You really can be, yeah. whereas I just <laughs> fell in love with David Keith. I yeah. just thought he absolutely was the MVP of this production. Yes, I adored him. I adored his character. I understood his motivations the whole way through. I love that little heart-to-heart that Andy has with Art Carney's character in the farm when he's finally revealing. Um, that was great. That, I love that scene. Yeah, yeah. it was 
was there was a there was a sweetness to it, and I think you just really see that Andy's not a bad guy because obviously you don't know you have this guy who's clearly hiding and lying to you with this little girl, you know that's very sus. But I just think he's just so pure. Everything he does is not to benefit him, but it's just to get him and Charlie to the next point of safety. Mm. Um, and, you know, and the way that he thinks about ending this is not by literally, well, let's just keep killing agents as they come our way. It's, well, we need to expose the shop. And that's all he wants to do. Mm. Um, and you've got that, you know, wonderful sequence with the postie as well, who doesn't get to deliver the letters. So that's an obstacle and you know that you know Andy is thinking of because he's like we need to move from the lake house because the letters may not have arrived there and then that sequence is also mm. pretty good mm-hmm. um, when you know when John <laughs> if that's your real name yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know um, takes them down I find it really amusing though that that's then also the first time that we see agents in the fire protecting suits yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like you're smart <laughs> But you wouldn't have done it without John telling you, right? No. No, that's right. Oh, but I guess, you know, if you're pursuing this father and daughter and you're just in suburbia, it's not the most subtle thing to be wearing those suits walking around, no, I guess. true. I suppose it's a lot easier in the forest. Yes. Where uh, you can just kind of hide. <laughs> and then just they all just emerge. And yes. it's like, there's one, there's one, there's yes. one. And there's so many of them. Yeah. Wow. It was a really cool effect, right? It was, yeah. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, I, I, I felt overall, you know, that... that that it was good. I think um, every actor did what they needed to do. Did go into melodrama for me. And I think for me, that was almost where the film suffers the most. For sure. The pacing I can forgive because sometimes a film does need to be, you know, it needs to pull back on its pacing if it's serving the story. So I feel like everything that's done here serves the story. Okay. When you just even have that little cutaway of you know, the agents giving Charlie presents and, you know, showing her dolls and things like that. It's like, you know, a few seconds, right? Was it needed? Probably not essential, but it's just showing a progression in time. It's showing how they're trying to get her on side. Mm. And then what I think it does is it gives strength to her rebellion against them throughout the movie because she gives them a lot of attitude. Doesn't want to engage with them is very quiet. It's just they're playing video games, wants nothing to do with them. So I think it also shows this level of sophistication that for somebody so young, she's lived. <laughs> you know, she yeah. she's wise beyond her years. Sure. But beautifully done and portrayed by Drew Barrymore, she's still such a child. Mm. And, you know, she, all that she wants is to be with her dad. And I think the connection and the rapport between David Keith and Drew Barrymore is really, really strong. You yeah. believe that they're father and daughter. And For they're sure just do. done beautifully, mm-hmm. I think. Throw Heather Locklear in there. Yeah. Uh, it, it, they're a gorgeous family. Yeah. You know, yeah. And again, it emphasizes how evil the shop is. Yeah. <laughs> so done really well, I think. I think that the effects are the standouts, though, and they all look amazing they're so well done and it's again you go to see these movies for those types of effects and they convince and they sell it every single frame yeah it's helped especially in that third act with the score and the choice of music works incredibly well Mm -hmm. so the film comes together pretty well i think um i like he said that it's a well-rounded movie I agree. Mm. If I had to be super critical of it, I would have trimmed that first act because I do feel like yeah. that first act really goes for about half the film. It does. I think. It does. Um, and I think that there are parts where it could have just been that little bit taut. I think the movie is just a little bit overlong. The build up 
takes longer than it needs to. And saying that, and like I've said before, though, the, the payoff is worth it. Like, yeah. I feel like the payoff, I think you're actually rewarded for the payoff. But, you know, look, Mark Alistair has delivered a pretty good movie. I think he's told a pretty good story here. And I think it's kind of a, you know, there is a consistency in the story. I think it all makes sense. It all gels together really well. Mm -hmm. A different director would have handled the material differently. Would it have been a better movie? Probably not. I don't know. But yeah, but I think sometimes that the pacing can let it down a little bit, even though I get it. I think when it goes into melodrama, though, that's when I sort of have some problems with it. It didn't need to go there. Um, Because I think what it does then is it takes away that underlying creepiness and scariness that this movie, when it does it, it does it really, really well. Mm. But overall, I think it's a good movie. It's a movie that I would recommend. You know, I'm interested in seeing that remake when we get around to it. Can yes. we'll see how it compares. Yes. But as for now, 1984's Firestarter, three and a half out of five from me. Wonderful. Yes. So yes. we stayed intact. Yes. <laughs> we didn't get a single spark on us, Kendall. We no. survived this Halloween. No, no, fi- no fires here. No fires, no. <laughs> There's nothing wrong here. Nothing wrong here. <laughs> nothing wrong here. Well, happy Halloween, Kendall. Happy Halloween, Wayne. And happy Halloween to all of our beautiful listeners as well. So until next Halloween, I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Kendall Richardson. And you've just experienced Fred Fred Watch. Cue music. Blooper reel. Hello. 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 Hey. Hi there. Hey. Do you want to start? I'm Kendall Richardson. Ah. (laughs) That's okay. First time you start. First time you're starting off. It's exciting. Me. Yeah, I'm moving up in the world. You really are. I'm moving up in the world. Okay, let's try. We'll that go from again. the top. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we don't need an excuse, but hey, well, no. we've got one. Why not take yes. advantage of it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when I we get the opportunity. Oh, <laughs> like the film we're reviewing today. What is it, Wayne? Yeah. Well, today. Well, today's film is Mark L. Lester's 1984 adaptation of Stephen King's Firestarter. Produced by cult cinema master Dino Di... I knew I'd get his name wrong. (laughs) Laurentis. Produced by cult cinema master Dino Di Laurentis and directed by B-grade movie legend Mark L. Lester, who was brought... (laughs) But more recently, we've had this year's... uh, I want to say Bloomhouse. (laughs) (laughs) And... And... We'll do it again.